Mini episode 1519 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the FDH Lounge preview of the NFC West for 2022. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here, along with fellow FDH Lounge original dignitary Chris Galloway. We're going through breaking down every division in the NFL this year, doing a preview. And uh, if you go back to the first one, the one that we did on the AFC East, that is where we took a little bit more of a macro look for the season some of the things that are bigger sort of league-wide coming into this year. So if you're interested in any of our thoughts on that, go to the beginning of that one. The rest of these ones here, we are taking a focus on the division specifically. And so here for the Western Division of the NFC. And uh, the format for this, we are going to react to uh, a feature in Fantasy Football Draftology 2022 available on the main page at fantasydrafthelp.com. This feature is called One Run-On Sentence for Each Team. And uh, so I have the teams slotted here in the division that I expect them to finish in the division. And uh, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot in the way of surprises uh, from what most people think. But uh, we'll see uh, how this differs or doesn't differ from what Chris thinks. But uh, I'll give you right now the run-on sentences for each team. The LA Rams. The team has a rough schedule and a decent number of holes coming out of the draft. But then again, they did this year last time as well. Uh, but then again, the brutal task of repeating as Super Bowl champions points to this team coming up short in January. San Francisco. Ongoing questions about who will be under center. Side note, uh, I wrote this when it was a little bit less clear that it was going to be Trey Lance. It looks like it's going to be Trey Lance. But uh, ongoing questions about who will be under center exist alongside questions about a revamped running back room as well as the offensive line and secondary, but a team that's made it as far or further than Championship Sunday two of the last three years and both of the largely healthy years in that stretch must be taken seriously in an NFC that is the thinnest that's been in decades. Arizona, a team that looked like the 72 Dolphins at the start of the season and the 2017 Browns at the end of it, faces a moment of truth season with Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, and other key figures whose biggest questions at this point seem to be between their ears. Seattle. With a dumpster fire front seven and a bottom five starting quarterback, the Seahawks are in full tank mode, leading to very reasonable questions about whether Pete Carroll is going to stick around through what could be a lengthy rebuild. Side note about Seattle. I wrote bottom five starting quarterback, not knowing which one it was going to be, because it didn't matter which one it was going to be. It's the bottom five starting quarterback. So the fact that it's Geno Smith, that is not something I have to revise subsequently here, as my, a word that my brother has taught me to start using. But uh, Chris, uh, your thoughts on this uh, division here? I, I, it's largely, I think, kind of missionary position as far as the way I'm looking at it this year. I don't know if that's the way you're looking at it or if you're looking at it a little bit spicier, so to speak. Well, I, 
for me, I, I agree with the Rams. Um, holes, but still enough talent that you expect them um, to be able to win 11 games and um, you know win the division. <clears throat> for me, the real challenge, and agree, at the bottom, the Seahawks, full tank mode. Yep. Um, when you're like, yes, Geno Smith is our guy, I'm like, <laughs> wow, okay, you have decided, you have fully embraced sucking. That's a bold move, um, Cotton. That's right. You usually, you know, got to pay extra for that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I, there's nothing really to talk about there. Uh, I, for me, the interesting parts of this are the Cardinals and the 49ers. Yep. Um, that's That's the part that is like, snot in the hand it's hard to get a hold of mm-hmm. um and 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 for me again i think we know what the cardinals are i think they're a nine to ten wins team yep probably uh some yeah nine and a half wins sort of if i gave an average but nine to ten win team it's the 49ers that i don't know and and i love the roster mm-hmm. i love what they do the defense is solid the running game I, the, the scheme um, they re-signed Samuel, and then just today they brought—they're bringing back Jimmy G on a um, on a on a one-year renegotiated deal. Yep. Um, to be the backup, and and look, that's a deal that makes sense for them, right? And for him, uh, everybody's like, "Wow, why would he agree to take that cut?" Well, here's why: because if they're going to cut him and he's going to get paid to sit at home, it could be damaging to his brand and his value long term, right? If, if he doesn't get seen as a guy who is, is valuable. So, um, and look, and also, if you're the 49ers, I mean, you need the insurance. What if Lance gets hurt? So you need you need the insurance for Trey Lance. And and, and obviously, that's what he would be. And and so I, I think it, it makes sense for both parties. Garoppolo gets to sort of do approve it, you know, set himself up for a new deal starting next year. Um, but what I don't know is, you know, what if Lance stays healthy and he's not what they thought he would be in his first year starting? You know, are the 49ers really a 10-11 win team if he doesn't, if he's not throwing the ball well, if he's struggling? And, and here's the thing, if he's struggling after the first four weeks or he's not quite getting it done in the passing game, how do you go to Garoppolo if he's not hurt? I mean, you've committed to him. You kept Jimmy away the whole, from the team. So you have said, Trey's our guy, and, and we're not turning back. And then what kind of damage does that do if you just, if you panic and say, well, we got to go back to Jimmy G if he's healthy? So there, there's some risk there for them, right? Like this, this could get sloppy. It could get messy for them. And, and so I don't – I have a hard time knowing – what you know? What the 49ers are? Because I don't. We just don't know, right? I mean, it, quarterback play is to me is a huge question mark. Would you not agree? Well, I, I would agree. And here's my thoughts about that: is that uh, again, yeah, I think Trey Lance being one of the biggest wild cards of this season makes San Francisco something of a wild card. I guess I didn't realize coming down the stretch last year just how raw they thought he still was internally because I had a thought that clearly they were not entertaining. But if you think back to that uh, playoff game in Green Bay where it seemed like neither team wanted to take the game and, and run with it, I was just thinking at the time, wouldn't it be the damnedest thing if you put Trey Lance in right now? 
because it would be something that Green Bay hadn't prepared for, and if nothing else, he could use his legs to help move the ball, and clearly that's something they weren't entertaining. Clearly they thought he was too raw at that point, and that has since come out in the offseason, and that they now don't think he's as raw. But it's a thing where, in terms of going to Garoppolo, the one thing I'm going to say is, oddly enough, the place that they just lost their offensive coordinator to, Miami, may hold the answer on why it might be plausible to do that. And that being, did it ruin Tua when they went back to Ryan Fitzpatrick? Which, by the way, that's not a move I would have made if I was them, but they made that move, and it doesn't appear to have destroyed Tua's career. So there's precedent for this of, like, listen, we need you to take a step back. You're still our guy, but we don't want to write this season off here. So I do think there's precedent for right. I mean, it's, for some guys, they can handle it. And right. I don't know Trey Lance from Adam as to whether or not he's right. that guy, right? Right. You're right. And well, and here's the thing. We think it's gonna be okay with Tua, right? And right. it seems like well, it's been okay. Sure. But um like it didn't damage him permanently. Sure it probably didn't feel, I mean, I think it also led to some chaos for that team in the moment, right? Well it did. I mean in the moment it, but you know, so that's why I'm and again, I'm talking we're talking forty ers this season, right? Right. Long term, you're right. It may be fine if they have to sort of do the yo-yo maneuver right. um, to stay to stay competitive. But at the same time, I, I, I just can't. I feel like the 49ers should be an 11 win team if Trey Lance is what we think he is or what he was drafted as. But right. I just don't know. I don't know what he is. Well, but here's the thing. Now, let me say this. I'm going to defend the Miami point as somebody who has been a tool believer all along here. That it's a thing where. If he, this year, and again, there's no excuses for him at this point. I mean, if he if he flops with everything he's got in place this year, then he's not what I thought he was or what a lot of people thought he was. But whatever happens, Chris, we won't be able to lay that at the feet of, oh, but they yanked him for Ryan Fitzpatrick previously. This is its own situation now. He's gotten past that, and he's going to rise or fall on his own merits at this point. And I think that would be possible for Trey Lance subsequently, even if he gets yanked this season. But it's a thing where, again, I've never been the biggest Jimmy G guy, but I will say this. Although, I mean, look, I was impressed, as was the rest of the world, when he went out there and won his first five games. But it's a thing where I am going to give him credit for this, as far as somebody who could have made the situation worse for them. Because it's a thing where... What I'm about to say is a little bit deceptive because it's like the old-timers that just want to point to wins for a pitcher in baseball. This guy this guy should win the Cy Young. He had 22 wins. He had an ERA of 675, and the guy who won the Cy Young had an ERA of 175, but only won 10 games. I don't want to sound like that guy, Chris, but the last two healthy seasons Jimmy Garoppolo had, they made it to the Super Bowl and the NFC Championship game. He has that to point to. I'm not saying it was because of him, because it would be as idiotic as me being that aforementioned baseball honk. But it's a thing where he's still got a case to make to them of, like, what exactly did I do to lose the starting job? Now, the answer to that is I think a better quarterback would have won a very winnable NFC Championship game against the Rams. And they almost did anyways. So there's an actual answer to the question. Don't ask the question if you don't want to hear the answer. But this is one of these situations where if you just look at the win-loss record, it is rare for a quarterback to be replaced when he's had the last two, uh, as I say, healthy full seasons that he did. He missed, 
uh, the, the season in between uh, with uh, the injuries here, 2020. So it's a circumstance where uh, more than most quarterbacks in his position, even if Jimmy Garoppolo, to me and a lot of other people, flunks the eye test as a quarterback, and Trey Lance, with the potential of him, at least passes the eye test, it's unusual in the sense that he has a better resume than most other people being asked to play the backup now at this point. Well, he has a better resume than literally anyone in the league to be a backup. Yeah. I mean, he is the best backup in the league. I yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's no doubt even about that. Right. Um, and as long as his shoulder is healthy, you know exactly what kind of, you know, generally steady Eddie you're getting. Right. You know, he, he's, look, he's not a top 10 QB. He's not a world beater. And that's why, in the end, they, they decided to make an upgrade, right? Right. Because they kind of went, look, he's like the 15th or 16th best quarterback in the league. And we got far with that guy. But if we can develop a guy who we think has the raw skill to be a top 10 quarterback, then we're dangerous. Yes. And I understand why they did what they did. I get it. Yes. And, and, and Garoppolo can't stay healthy, right? So that's the other factor. Right. So, again, I understand when teams, you know, too many fans, to your point, well, they got to zero, this is good enough. Like, well, yeah, but if you can get better at position, don't you owe it to yourself and your fans to get better at the position? Right. Um, and so, you know, I mean, that's where they find themselves. Uh, again, time will tell. We don't know. We haven't seen, you know, we saw a little bit of Trey Lance last year. Very limited amount, you know, and that was a mixed bag. It was typical, inexperienced, you know, rookie. And on top of that, a one double-A rookie who had basically played one game the year before. Right. So this guy really hasn't, he hasn't, (laughs) we don't know. Um, And that's where I just, I keep coming back to going, I don't know what to make of the 49ers. If they stick with Trey Lance, are they accepting growing pains? Or did they bring back Garoppolo because they don't want to accept the growing pains? Because they know they have a Super Bowl caliber roster, and they refuse to go down while they work on their young quarterback. Right. And look, to your point, that may be brilliant, right? Right. Look, we want to get started with Trey Lance, but we also know we might have growing pains, but we have a roster that we do not want to waste. Right. So we've got to take our shot. And if that means here and there throughout the season, we've got to go to this experienced quarterback to try to get us over the hump, we still want to win. We don't want to. We don't want to crash and burn while we're trying to get the the young kid experience. I get as a fan of the 49ers, I would be thrilled about that, right? Like yeah. you're saying, you know, because it's it's kind of like what we talked about with the Steelers. If they have to go to Kenny Pickett in Week Five, they're basically writing off the season because the kid's going to make mistakes, right? You know, Atlanta to a lesser degree, Atlanta with Ritter, right? Like you know, when you go to that that player. That, that's it. Like you've just you've written off the season, right? And you're giving your kid experience, and you're telling your veterans on that roster, "Oh well." And so I get, I respect the hell out of the 49ers for basically telling their veterans, "No, no, no, no." You know, we we know the kid is raw. We believe in him, and we want you to believe in him. But we also believe in you guys, and we don't want to throw away a season. So it's a strong message. Now it's going to be very delicate for Shanahan, I think, to maneuver that, right? Um, so we'll see how it goes. Whereas Arizona in this division, you know, they signed Kyler Murray to the big deal. They've, they've, they brought in, you know, Marquise Brown. They are sort of, you know, reloading up. Um, you know, they lost Chandler Jones. 
They've got some holes on defense. Um, again, I think they are another, you know, 9-10 win type of team, uh, depending on how the ball bounces for them. Um, I kind of lean a little more towards nine wins with them. But, you know, they're going to compete for a wild card spot right to the end. Um, as for the 49ers. So I think that's just where the division goes. And if the 49ers get the Trey Lance they drafted, who they think they're getting, they're going to be really good. They'll actually push the Rams for the division crown. If they have to go to Jimmy G, they're trying to get into that wild card slot. Well, and this is one where with, with Arizona, uh, again, I part, part of my profile personally is that occasionally I will make uh, references that are perhaps too cute for my own good, and maybe this is another one of them here, but this is what I see when I see Arizona. I look at this team, I look at Kingsbury, I look at Murray, I look at a couple of these guys. If I remember correctly, and I may be misinformed on this, but I believe Scottsdale, Arizona is where Logan Paul and Jake Paul presently live. Like, if TikTok guy was a team, it'd be the Arizona Cardinals. That's that's how I view them. You know, it's just like that's what keeps me from taking them more seriously. They're TikTok guy. Uh, they they might be getting a million trillion views here and everything like that, and uh, having success by certain. You know, TikTok guy can be very successful financially. They were very successful on the field the first half of last year, but it's a team where again I just I don't see the substance behind it. When you're talking about teams here where the problem is all between their ears. You and I have talked about this previously. It's a long-going thing with the Chargers and a couple other franchises around the league, the Cowboys. Uh, I think the Cardinals have graduated to that level. And I, the, the, the funny thing is that I'm friends with uh, a couple where uh, one is a Cowboys fan and one is a Cardinal fan. I feel like they'll be able to relate to each other like never before this season. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true, yes. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the substance with them, isn't it? They have to prove that there is substance to it. There's talent on that team. There's talent all over the place. But, uh, again, the way that they collapsed in the second half of last year, look, they, we know they were playing over their heads the first half of the year. I had them in our weekly FDH uh, power rankings. I had them first for a couple weeks just because I had to. There's just no way you couldn't have them first. But we all knew in our heart. When you started 8-0, it was like, well, we got to rank them higher. Well, we yeah, I mean, and, dude. We don't they, believe in them, but in, and it proved to be the case. Exactly. But at the same time, it was like when you're 8-0, you kind of got to go like, well, they're number one right now. Well, you know, and their first half record lies, damn lies, and statistics. I mean, they're exactly. not as they're not as good as they look down. They're not as bad as they look down the stretch. But that playoff loss, the way that they lost, as confused and lost as Kyler Murray looked, like this is a team that's just got to get it together. Whether they all go in and sit with a sports psychologist every day after practice and they just go round the horn with fifty three guys, whatever it takes. But I just feel like their mental, psychological blocks, whatever it is, or, or just taking the game more seriously, being more substantive as people, I don't know what it is, but there's something that's upstairs that needs to click with all their key players and coaches, I believe. Well, I think you're onto something, and I know you sort of uh, you sort of fingered the Rams as the you know, as the, the, the team that's going to collapse. I mean, not the Rams, the Saints. Mm -hmm. But, you know, maybe it's the Cardinals. 
Could be. You know, the way they ended that season. Yeah. Um, you know, one one quick injury to, you know, J.J. Watt, and Ooh. this team could suddenly find themselves as that guy. Uh, you know, they might find themselves as that team that's just spiraling. Yeah. Absolutely spiraling. Could be. Could be. Um, and I and they have that potential. Let me tell you, they have that potential. Oh, it's possible. It's possible. Because there are teams sometimes in different sports. And if it was the Cardinals, it would be inexplicable, especially being in this division where nobody should be within a country mile of Seattle for being the worst team. But sometimes it happens, dude, and you are smart to look at this as one possibility. I don't expect it. I don't think the law of averages says it's going to happen. I think the law of averages says exactly what I'm looking for, which is they kind of limp into the playoffs and then don't do very much once they get there. But we do see this in sports sometimes, of where a team will just sort of implode. The, the team that you just expect to do all these great things, and it just never goes anywhere, and it implodes in spectacular fashion. And if that's the case, I mean, Kingsbury doesn't last the season. I mean, if, if, if against all odds this team is sitting here like 3-10 and 10 in November, he ain't finishing this campaign. Oh, I, I would agree with that, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Because it should never happen, especially in the NFC. And we keep saying this, and that's been one of our macro themes as we've gone through the divisions here, is the complete and utter softness of the NFC. So any other thoughts on uh, the NFC West here before uh, in the next segment here? We're going to be culminating all of this by taking a look at our playoff projections for the AFC and the NFC. So any other thoughts about the West before we do that? Well, I would just say that, to your point, I think that um, Coach Ryan Gosling knockoff is probably on the hot seat in a way that, that, that most people don't consider it because of the, that there is talent on that roster in Arizona. And, um, look, at the end of the day, at Texas Tech, you know, what was he, right? I mean, yeah. he was not – he was not – he was a 500 coach. Maybe he was even slightly below 500. Right. Um, so uh, I've not ever been a believer in him long term. Mm-hmm. Um, and and to your point that this may be the you know this may be if they can if they if they start off poorly he's in he's in deep doo doo. He is, and it would be kind of you know interesting if that happened because that's the trajectory a lot of times. And I find that if you think about it, it's probably happened more often than not of. Because like like you said, I mean, he came in, and I think it was even in the initial bio that the Cardinals put out that like you know he once briefly associated with Sean McVay. I mean, it was some it was so ham handed as far as trying to wedge him into the young genius trend around the league here. But a lot of us looked at it like what happened at Texas Tech, what the record was, and everything like that. And we're like, what? And then he comes in, and like, oh, maybe we were wrong about him. But I think writ large, Chris, of all the guys where we say at one point, oh, maybe I was wrong about that guy, in the long run, doesn't it usually go full circle? Like, yeah, we were right all along, we just didn't realize it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. That's <laughs> That certainly has been the case many times. Yeah. And uh, again, I, like I said, I have a very good friend who is a uh, Cardinals fan, and he is, I'm sure, hoping that that will uh, not be the case. But uh, could be, could be a long year for the Cardinals. But uh, hey, uh, you could always be a Seahawks fan, and that's the worst thing to be in the NFC West these days. So the Seahawks will most assuredly not be part of our next conversation here on the show, which will be covering the NFL playoffs. 
for 2022-2023. We'll take a look at that next. But this has been our preview for the 2022 NFC West. Thank you very much, Chris Galloway, and thank you everybody for checking out this mini episode of the FDH Lounge.